Amen. Isn't he an awesome ruler? Oh, you can do better than that. Isn't he an awesome ruler? Wonderful in power, wonderful in glory, and wonderful in might. He's an awesome ruler. It's wonderful to know that you have a ruler that doesn't rule you with an iron fist, but rules you with grace and mercy and love. Somebody should have said amen right there. In light of what's going on in our country, you should be shouting that there's a greater ruler in this world. In light of what's going on in our world, impending that what I don't care how you feel about anybody, no matter what's happening on this plane, there's a ruler that's greater than Russian rule, European rule, American rule, different countries in Africa. I don't hear nobody in here today. Better than South American rule, better than Australian rule. There was nobody who's an awesome wonder like Jesus. And I'm thankful to be under his kingship. Uh, although we submit to leaders on earth, they still only rule by the mighty hand of God. And they're accountable to him. And I thank God for the opportunity to celebrate with you all this morning. It's a great opportunity for us to gather. Gathering is always a wonderful thing for believers to do. Something that should be a part of our regular uh, uh, spiritual life of gathering with the saints because of what <laughs> it does for you and does for us together because I need more than myself. How many of you need more than yourself? How many of you need more than yourself? Amen. 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 Um, I'm thankful for uh, Pastor Larry and uh, Sister Harriet and their work in Malawi. Let's give God a hand praise for them. <laughs> thankful for them. Thankful for them. Um, thankful for their labor there. Although we've taken a 24-month break, we are from church planting from uh, 2000, um, uh, what year is it, 17? Yeah, there it is. Um, 17 all the way through um, to um, 2018, and we'll see what the Lord does in 2019, but we will be updating you and doing mission trips, and so we'll be, you know, letting you know what's going on with different things with the church plants we already have, <coughs> because we, our hope is to strengthen churches and to serve churches like Acts chapter 15 talks about, and Acts chapter 16 talks about is when ministries start, um, they get strengthened, and, and, and whether you know it or not, um, people that planted us strengthened us so that we can be here today. So you're sitting here because we got planted, but then there were leaders who deposited and strengthened us over the years so that we could be uh, where we are today. And so we want to honor that in being biblical in uh, supporting missions and church planting. But from Epiphany, it'll we won't be planting any churches from here as we have uh, quite a bit of daughter churches to engage lovingly to serve and to help them to get to a place. So we're not just hiving out stuff just to say we have some numbers, but we want to be healthy. How many of you want to be healthy? Healthy. You got to always remember health is greater than numbers because you can have a lot and have nothing. And, um, and um, because if, if, if you have a disease and a whole bunch of stuff, their mortality rate will quickly die. But if you have a smaller amount of health, you can multiply for a long, 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 long time. And our desire is to be in it for the long haul. Somebody say long haul. That's what we want to do. We want to run the race with endurance. And so we're taking a water break, a Gatorade break for 24 months uh, on this marathon and um, work on Epiphany Fellowship here and then help the other churches that we serve. Uh, stand to your feet. We are in our series on great expectations, great expectations, breaking the faith barrier.
breaking the faith barrier. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13, uh, and you can go ahead and start reading already. One, two, three, go. Amen, amen, amen. So today in our second installment of this series, I would like to talk about having a spirit of expectation in your life. Having a spirit of expectation in your life. You're looking at me funny. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, do you expect anything from God? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Let's go before the Father of heaven. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We, we thank you for... Um, what you have given to us to make salvation valuable. Um, you have <clears throat> done great works to show that salvation is val valuable and that it works out in our lives on a regular and a daily basis. And so, God, I'm praying in Jesus' mighty name <clears throat> that you would build up our expectations. Lord, we want to be a place where we expect things from you that are in your will. And to, and to not put any limits on you, Lord, Lord God, because all things are possible through you. And so we're praying today that you would nurture hope in us and nurture what it does to be contagious, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, there was an experiment done um, by a marine biologist where um, the marine biologist uh, took a shark and put a shark in the shark tank and dropped some fish in the shark tank. And you pretty much know what happened to those fish once the fish got into the shark tank. The shark swam around and as the shark swam around, you know, they checked things out and then tan up all the fish, and all the fish were but scales uh, to the bottom of the water. So she did that a few times, but then <laughs> one of the times the, the marine biologist put an invisible fiberglass barrier in and put the shark on one side of the barrier and put the fish on the other side of the barrier. And as the, as the shark saw the fish get in the water, the shark began to try to frenzy himself to get to the fish. And as the shark tried to get through the barrier, he couldn't get through the barrier. He was very, very frustrated and couldn't get anything. Next time around, she threw fish in there again. And the fish, she tried, the shark tried to get to the fish and couldn't get to the fish over and over and over and over again, probably like 10 to 20 times uh, this happened. But as the shark realized that they weren't able to get to the other side, the shark began to be less frivolous and committed in his energy to eat the fish because of the barrier that was in front of the shark to the point of uh, it was so crazy that it got to the point where the shark no longer even tried when she dumped fish in the water. But then one day she took the barrier down and put the fish back in the water and the shark did nothing. And some of our lives are like that. We've gone through some barriers some invisible barriers and thresholds that have discouraged us. 
some, some things in our life that we have been dreaming about, some things in our life that we've been wanting the Lord to do, and we have hit some glass ceilings. And in hitting some of those glass ceilings, many of us have said, forget it. Not knowing that God uses barriers not to decrease your expectation, but to increase your expectation. And so, but the challenge with many of us is we believe that opportunities come easy. Help me today. We believe that breakthroughs come easy. And so what happens is, is when our breakthroughs don't happen, our opportunities that God, that we believe God wants for us, that, that, that are godly dreams. I'm not talking about frivolous uh, 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 pipe dreams. I'm talking about biblical, God-fearing, in his will stuff. We begin to be like that shark. We begin to be docile in the water when God has thrown some stuff in front of us. And, 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 and at some point in your walk, God will remove the barrier, but barriers have purpose. Somebody say purpose. 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 God never allows, you will never enjoy anything that God has on the other side of the barrier until you try to push through the barrier. Because when you get on the other side of the barrier and you get to enjoy what you've seen but couldn't get to, you are more excited about it because now that what you've been pushing towards, um, 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 now you're able to be in that particular place where God wants you to be. I know y'all not going to help me today. I'm already excited myself. I'm, I'm excited by the fact that I have to be motivated by God in my commitment to not letting setbacks not look like a setup. Every setback in my life, every setback in your life is an alley-oop for God to slam dunk some ministry in your life that he wants to do, some things that he wants to change, some people that he wants to change, some opportunities that he wants to open up, some realizations that he wants to work out. And, and it's only going to come by a commitment to persevering through the barriers. And so uh, we see this reality so beautifully in this glorious letter by Paul. Um, we, we, we probably have to recognize and realize that Romans is a theological tour de force. Uh, uh, it, it probably, it, all scripture is equally inspired by God. However, when, when in reading Romans, Romans is Paul giving you the fullness of what a gospel presentation is. Uh, it, 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 is, it is that book that has probably uh, the most theologically, ex from an explicit standpoint, all of the Bible is weighty, but from an explicit standpoint, um, this is probably the most theologically weighty book in uh, the Bible, and particularly uh, the New Testament. One of my professors back in seminary, he used to say, he used to say all the time, Romans is Paul giving you an uninhibited gospel presentation. Uh, one, one commentator uh, that's this from the same school, he says, here, that is Paul's, this is Paul's full exposition of the gospel. And so Paul wanted to go to Rome, but he may not have gotten there because of whatever circumstance that he was in. So he wrote a letter to say, if I never come there, this letter is enough of what I would say packaged in the 16 chapters that you can extract under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to know the fullness of the outworkings of the gospel in your life. And as Paul works through it and he helps us to see this, in chapters 1 through 3, we see that he points to the reality of the, pro uh, the problems of unrighteousness. So in the first three chapters, he talks about sin. 
Let me just tell you something. If you hear a gospel presentation and sin isn't present in the gospel presentation, you did not hear the gospel. If somebody rushed you into heaven and in the throne room, you, you, you're in trouble because you haven't dealt with barriers. And just like Paul is about to deal with some barriers here, only way to get saved is to know that there's a barrier between you and God. There is no salvific, soteriological, and justification breakthrough without seeing that God has to break through it through Jesus Christ. But not only that, he talks about the problems of, of, of unrighteousness. <coughs> then he goes from there and he talks about the provision, chapters 4 through 5, the provision of righteousness, which ultimately is Jesus Christ. Chapters 6 through 8, he talks about the pursuit of righteousness. 9 through 11, he talks about the progress of righteousness. And verses 12 through 16 is the practice of righteousness. And so this beautiful book is beautiful and it's nestled with so much truth. It's probably one of the books in the New Testament that has the word gospel the most times. The reason why it has gospel the most times is because Paul in chapter 1, verse 15, just giving you some overview if that's okay. In chapter 1, verse 15, he says, I long to preach the gospel to you. He's talking to believers, not unbelievers. The question is, why would you long to preach the good news about Jesus Christ um, to people who are already believers? Not to make sure they're saved, but to make sure they recognize and understand not just how they got saved, but how God continued his saving work through that same message. Listen, you don't, you don't just get saved and God takes you off a of training reels and kicks you off down the street and you go down the sidewalk by yourself and then he meets you on the other side when you graduate to a motorcycle. No, the gospel begins your faith, it sustains your faith, and it ends it. So, 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 so Paul is writing this gospel tour de force to help us with something and, and sprinkled and speckled throughout the entirety of the book is hope. Somebody say hope. And, 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 and this beautiful idea of hope is sprinkled throughout the book to help us to recognize that the gospel is the foundation of why we expect things from God. Christ dying on the cross and getting up from the grave is a free pass to dream. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's, it's a free pass to dream, but not only is it a free pass to dream, it is the empowerment to do so. Uh, help me. So, 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 so I, got, I got a few points today. I'm going to get on in here and get out of your way. <laughs> Point number one in, in this, having, 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 having a spirit of expectation in your life. Number one, number one, great expectations is the product of God's work in the disciple. Great expectations is the product of the work of God in the life of the disciple. Look at what it says here. He says he's doing a wish. So after he said all of these powerful things in the book of Romans, he takes a doxological dream right here. And this doxological dream is based on all that he said. He said, I, I, I want to, I some people think the book just stopped here, but it doesn't really stop here. He, he has more to say, but, but, but sometimes when you get excited about what God is doing, it's almost like you want to put a period, but God says, I want you to praise me, but give me a comma right here because I got some more for you. And so that's what happened right here is God, God, God said, don't put a period where I want to put a comma. That's for free. Because right here we see beautifully that Paul has a doxological wish for the people of God. He says, may the God of hope. Stop right there. Th this is beautiful. 
When he talks about this reality of the God of hope, I, 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 I felt the need, uh, Pastor Larry, to go back in uh, to the exegetical vicissitudes of this passage. And as I began to look at this passage, it, 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 it's interesting. Uh, he, he knows what I mean. It's a beautiful genitive here, Pastor Larry. It's a genitive, it's a genitive of product. It means it's not just the God of hope. It's the, it can be translated the God who produces hope. That, 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 that's, that, it can be translated. It, 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 it means, <laughs> help me, God is up to, in your life, producing hope. Yeah, that, oh, my God. <laughs> that, that means that his divine activity surrounding your life is for you to expect things from him. You should have. You, see, y'all don't know when to shout. That, that's, that's good news right there. See, see that, that's the good part right there because God wants you. He doesn't need you to. Don't help me today. Don't get it twisted. God needs you to do nothing. However, he desires as a way. God glorifies himself through you dreaming. <laughs> Another shout moment just got missed. God, God gets maximum glory out of your life when you have a lot of stuff going on you can't control. And in the midst of it, you still hope. You miss it again. <laughs> you miss it again. In other, in other words, <clears throat> hopeless situations are booby traps. <laughs> they are booby traps to get you to see what God has made in you through Christ. <laughs> so what he does is God stacks it on. Let, let me, let me y'all think I'm exegetically out of the Bible. Uh, I'm just going to read something real quick uh, uh, that, that shows us the beauty of this reality when we look at the scripture. This is in the same book. Look at what it says. It says, therefore, in chapter 5, <laughs> since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boom. Justified by faith, rooted in the gospel. Watch it. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into the disgrace in which we stand. I love that. And we rejoice, what? In hope of the glory of God. Mm. Why? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now watch what he does. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. <laughs> the stuff God puts you in is to nurture hope in you. See, if God gave you everything you wanted up front, you wouldn't hope. You missed another shout moment. I'm going to stop saying it. Um, it, it, it. It is wonderful to me, yet weird and frustrating at times, that, that God won't just give me what I want when I ask for it. Now, I know some preachers tell you that you can get what you want, when you want, how you want it. All you do is have to name it, claim it, grab it, uh, blab it and grab it and call it and haul it. But when, you look, when I look at the scriptures... Before you get hope, you have to have character. <laughs> because, because, God, because God can't give you what you're hoping for until he can trust you by developing your character to keep you when you get it. 
help me. Yeah, that, that is, this, is, this is helpful. Um, I, you know, I, I love what, what Paul is working out for us here. It's interesting. The word hope appears 17 times in the book of Romans, most ever, in any book in the Bible. Just the word hope over and over and over again. I mean, I wish I had time to just break down the context of each verse that hope is mentioned in. It is, it is a massive study to look at the, 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 the expansive nature of this idea of hope. But hope, what is hope? What is hope? What is hope? Hope, hope is a reasonable and confident expectation of a future event. So we look at this. I break it down like this. Hope is the joyous. You got you to you you, you say joyous. This, this, that's important. It's the joyous and sure expectation of God bringing to fruition his revealed decreed will and biblically aligned desires. Help me today. Hope isn't this, um, boot, it's not bootleg expectations. It's not just making up stuff. What makes your hope valuable is God. If, if your hope isn't biblically aligned, and can I see, see, many of us don't hope anymore because we've had some silly hope. Matter of fact, some of us have hopes that are outside of our bandwidth. It may be the will of God for somebody else, but God ain't anoint you to do that. See, some of us want to start a business. But you, um, God anointed you to do really, 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 really well working for somebody. Not being the person people work for. All right. Y'all can take it or leave it. I'm not trying to put a cap on your hope. I'm trying to expand the bandwidth and sphere of where you hope. So, so, so what, I, what, what I'm saying is, 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 is that it's important <coughs> not to have pipe dream hopes. It, it, it's, in, other, in other words, hoping also, even though it exceeds your ability, it's never beyond how God works in your life. Oh, man. And because of that beauty, that's why God produces this glorious idea of hope in our life. And so when we talk about the God who produces hope in our life, God shows us his love in Jesus and gives us the ability to hope. And as he does that, he strengthens us and encourages us to have expectation depth. Now, when we talk about this idea of expectation depth, again, it's not random expectations, but biblically rooted expectations flowing out of the work of God that's in us. So, so, so therefore, what God usually does is God, as he takes you through different things, that's why the Bible says ask for wisdom. When you go through difficult things. That's why some of y'all need to write stuff down when you're suffering. See, if you don't write anything down, first off, don't write anything down until you ask, until you count it all joy and ask God for wisdom. Now, the Bible said, my Bible says that you can expect wisdom from God. Once you get wisdom in the difficulty, write that joint down. Don't ever go through anything and get nothing out of it. <laughs> Let me just say Always, God, listen, always expect 
when something difficult happens to get something from God. You're going to get divine nuggets, and as you begin to trail the beauty of those nuggets, God really in the trial usually tells you something about you. And if you don't, help me today, if you don't learn to build your life in hoping around the nuggets that he's given you, you're just going to be randomly, randomly trolling other people's dreams to get what God is doing in their life versus zooming lens in on what God is doing in your life so that you can have some dreams that shape by what God is doing in you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't, I, don't, I don't do cheat sheet. I don't look on nobody else's paper no more. Because, because I've tried to put on Saul's armor before. <laughs> listen, take, pick up your cross. Don't be trying. Hey, it's, listen, you don't know how, what somebody else cross. Pick up your cross. Because God has shaped your cross for you. All of that was for free. Let me go to the next point. Let me go, let me go to the next point. This, this is interesting. That God is up to producing hope in you. So he expects you to expect. Let me just tell you, that should free somebody in Jesus' name. <laughs> like if you're not expecting, you're not submitting and grabbing a hold of God's work in your life. You're always supposed to be, in a godly way, expecting big things from God. Always, right? So, so, so he produced that. Next point, I got to move. We could be on that all day. Um, our lives should be consumed with great expectations. Kind of got ahead of it. But look at what the text says. It says, may wish the God of hope or the God who produces hope fill you with all joy and peace. So all of this assumes stuff happens. Because the Bible never tells you about hope peace, and joy without assuming difficulty. <laughs> the, the, listen, those things aren't needed if everything's always going to be all right. Like, that, like, like th those things aren't, like, they're not needed. If, 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 in other words, joy happens because something is working against you enjoying God. So, so when we talk about this idea of joy, joy and peace is interesting that he used two of the pieces of the fruit of the Spirit. These two pieces of the fruit of the Spirit, as I surveyed the fruit of the Spirit, are except for patience or long-suffering, according to the translation. These are the fruit that help you endure. <laughs> these are the fruit that you pull out of your bag because everybody, every believer got a bag called the fruit of the Spirit. You, tell me, you should be like, you all up in your bag today. That's how you encourage your brother and sister in Christ. When they count it in all joy, you in your bag today, ain't you? And what you do is you go in the bag and get some joy. <clears throat> what is joy? Unending expectation no matter what. Unending satisfaction with God no matter what. <clears throat> that's, what that's what joy is. Now, peace is... Peace is tranquility in the midst of conflict. Good gracious. I mean, good gracious. So, so, so you get to, listen, you get to enjoy God no matter what's happening. So your circumstances should never get in the way 
of enjoying God. I must be preaching to myself today. This, this, this is making me happy. Um, peace, peace is not the end of conflict. It's being stable in the midst of it. So, 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 so let's put it all together. He said, may the God who produces hope in you fill you, fill you with joy and peace. Let's add that feel to it. Feel, plurao, means um, to be under the influence of, to be under the control of something. In other words, he's saying, listen, I want God, the God of hope, to produce hope in you, but the way he does it and the way you grab a hold of it is you being under the controlled substances of joy and peace. <laughs> they're, they're controlled substances based on this passage. These are good controlled substances that you can spiritually smoke on. You know what I'm saying? See, 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 right here, right here, it, it's joy and peace laced with the filling power of being under the control of God. Help me today. And so, and so, and so what, 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 God, what God wants to do in your life is he, listen, joy and peace helps you to still dream. Hold on. Listen, listen. Hope isn't enough by itself. See, hope, hope is what the, is, is a picture of a preferred future that you're dreaming about based on God's will. So you see it. But sometimes you get blinding. I don't know if you've ever been driving in, in, driving on the highway and it starts raining where you can't see. Even the windshield wipers, your windshield wipers going like that. And it's not catching up. It's not catching up with the rate of rain hitting your windshield. So what some people do is they stop under an overpass so the rain stops. See, joy and peace is your overpass from the rain so that you can see hope again. <laughs> this is, in, other words, in other words, if you, that's why you can't complain for long. I don't mind you complaining because the Bible teaches you can complain to God. Like, it's all that, I, ain't, I won't complain and nobody will listen. Well, God will. That's, that's not biblical. God listens, right? You may not listen, but God will. He actually invites you to complain. Right? He invites you to that, but not for long because he's going to turn you around. Because you're going to him to complain about what he can fix. See, joy isn't acting like nothing isn't going on. It's just going to the one that knows it's going on and can fix it. <laughs> and, so, and so what happens, listen, so what happens, this is beautiful. So what happens is, is when you're going through a difficulty and hope is getting dim, what you need to grab a hold of is go in your bag and get you some joy and get you some peace. In other words, how can I be satisfied with God even though what I'm going through is very, very dissatisfying? Okay, let me see if I can make this real plain because y'all looking at me funny. So somebody put some food in front of me thinking they can cook. And um, I'm not talking about nobody at the church, so y'all can take a deep breath. And so I got the food in front of me and I'm like, okay. This look great. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> chew, hot chew. Um, Y'all got some hot sauce? I got the hot sauce, and I just did like that and drowned it. So that by the time, the hotness and the spiciness deadened the flavor 
of their food enough for me to be respectful and to get through it. See, that's what joy and peace does in difficulty. Joy and peace is your hot sauce. You say, I don't like this situation, but I got to eat it. I don't like this situation, but I got to go through it. I don't like this situation, but I got to swallow it. I don't like this situation, but I'm going to take it all the way down, but I'm going to drown it with some joy. I'm going to drown it with some peace. Some stuff you just need to drown. And this idea of being filled with joy and peace. The problem many times with joy and peace is we don't know we have it. That's the big problem with it. You're not trying. See, some of us are waiting in difficulty to get it. When at salvation you were imputed with it. You have it. So it's there. It's just like, go get. Okay, let me see. Y'all looking at me funny. Make a plan. My wife and I, our center of argumentation is me shopping. I got a deliverance issue I need. If I find it on sale, I'm grabbing it. Sale now. I ain't talking about going crazy. Um, so me and she's like, what you buy now? You got more clothes. Her big thing is you got more closet space than everybody in the house. Okay. So I'm like, cool. Um, I, I got a, you know, I got, I got issues, so pray for me. So, so one time we're out shopping, and I saw this nice piece. I was like, oh, that's, that's that right there. I already figured out what I got in the closet already. They can yak at Oceans with it. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to cop that. <laughs> and, and, um, and, my, and my wife was like, babe, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, I, you know, this, it's on sale. Then I hugged her, kissed her, and put my head on her <laughs> like that. And she said, babe, I wouldn't mind you getting it but you already have something like that in the closet and it still has the tags on it. You've never used it. Somebody gonna hear me in a second. See, when you go through difficulty and when you go through challenges, you don't realize that joy and peace are already in your closet. And all you need to do is take it off the hanger and put it on. That's all, that's all you got to do in your life. That's all you got to do. He wants you to be filled with joy and peace in believing. Oh, this is just loaded. That's why I couldn't do the whole pericope. It's just too much here. He says, in believing. So your believing won't be disgruntled. Difficulty over and over and over again can make you sort of disgruntled with God. Joy and peace keeps your belief fresh. It, listen, it, it blows fresh wind on it. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain again. Y'all looking at me funny. So I used to see these little white things in different things I buy. I'm like, what is that? You know them little white things with the little ball thingies in it? You ever seen that? And what I found out is those things are there to keep the manufacturer fresh. So that when you, by the time it gets to you, the way it came to you in the manufacturer when it was made still has the same sense and enjoyment when it gets in your hands. That's what God does in you in believing. God wants your belief to always be filled with freshness. And so this beautiful idea of God doing this and working on us is one of the most 
glorious and uh, uh, beautiful things for us to be able to expect things from God. So your belief is refreshed. Why? And I'm getting ahead of myself in the series. But without hope, you can't believe. Uh, I know y'all like, break that down, Pastor. Faith is the substance of things. In other words, hope is one of the ingredients of faith. If you take hope away, you can't believe. So what joy and peace does is encourage you to see hope again. Therefore, if you hope you can continue to stir it up in the ingredients of your faith and believe God and stuff gets done. Last point, I'm out your way. Um, the Holy Spirit sees hope as our purpose. The Holy Spirit sees hope as our purpose. I love this. He says, may the God who produces hope in you and fill you, may he produce hope, the God of hope, uh, fill you with joy and peace in believing so that purpose. That's a purpose clause. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In other words, the Holy Spirit, so that is a purpose clause. Pointing to the fact that the Holy Spirit sees hope as our purpose. Now, in, in, in him seeing hope as our purpose, what he wants to do in our life is he wants to create, and this is powerful because we don't do it on our own, he creates an environment and fights in our souls for us to have an environment where hope thrives. Because if you don't have an environment where hope thrives, that's why you, you can't get through anything without the Holy Spirit. Listen, God doesn't leave you to your own devices in difficulty. The Holy Spirit is always active in trying to push you towards hope by stirring up joy and peace in you so that by his power, you may abound, you may abound in hope. Now, what do you want you to do about in hope? Now, you know, I, I, I always wondered, I always wondered, why do people use hair conditioner? I just never understood that. Um, like, what is hair conditioner? So I looked it up. <laughs> I use it on, the, on, on my beard. I use it on it. I use it on the hair I got. <laughs> and so... I found out the shampoo cleanses your hair. But this, this is what's interesting. It says, but conditioner provides the compounds which protect and beautify your hair. I like that. In other words, in, in other words, uh, the, 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 the shampoo gets the stuff out. But conditioner pumps up the stuff that's there. And makes it rich and beautiful and healthy so that your hair is a beautiful environment of thriving. I love that. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. He's conditioning your life to be a place of God's beauty. He's conditioning your life to be a, a, a place of the beautiful compounds and confines of gospel faith. In other words, he's your paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside of you. And encourages you to keep going where God called you to go. I'm, I, all right, I'm out your way. I'm out your way. Um, I'm out your way. I'm out your way, and then, uh, I'm, I'm done. Um, 
it's interesting. Um, in 1992, Olympic Games in Barcelona, British sprinter Derek Redman had his dreams of an Olympic medal crush. <clears throat> because as he was running, he had a debilitating hamstring injury while running in the Olympics. You, you, I mean, so, so to do all that preparation and something like a hamstring happens was crazy. But as he's holding in excruciating pain, 